Welcome to another episode of Seemingly Ordinary. I'm here with Scotty Smeltzer. Hello. Scotty has got this really, really interesting career going, as far as I'm concerned, with acting. And then there's a whole bunch of other things that sometimes get attached to acting, like directing and writing and other such things. And so I think we're going to wind up talking about a wide variety of of topics. But um, Scotty, I think I'm just going to let you sort of introduce yourself. Do you want to kind of give us the, the background, the secret origin story? All right. Well, my name is Scotty Smeltzer. Um, I was raised in a large, large family, and my whole family has always been involved in the theater department. Every time we could find somewhere we, where we would have the opportunity to act or sing or dance, we would, we would join it. Our parents would sign us up, and we would just be a part of it. And so we all got theater involved and musically involved. And so, yeah, so I started, yeah, so I started theater from a very young age and went from there. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you went from there and Mm -hmm. uh, why don't we start, I don't know, maybe at the beginning with your very first play. My very first play. I remember this. It was, it was Shrek the Musical back in 2015. That explains so much to me. I know it does. I know it does. Shrek has always been in my life. Uh, But it was, um, yeah, I was in fifth grade. Uh, Oh, geez. I remember I sang one of the songs for my class because I was so excited I was in the show. In retrospect, probably not a good idea, but you know, I liked it. But um, I played a little villager, villager boy who uh, tormented Shrek, and I was also... No, yeah, I think I think that was it. But it was it was fun. It was it was very fun actually. Um, yeah, we we had a wide rehearsal space, and I remember just like walking around that whole space because just as a little kid, just running around it, and people were just like, "What is he doing?" And yeah, no. And I, okay, here's kind of what I want to know is um well well actually before I I get into some of the little kid questions, can I ask what is your grand vision? For yourself as an actor or as a maybe a director maybe as a writer hmm. well, just as a creator what is your grand vision for yourself like if just everything broke your way yeah i definitely want to be a professional actor if everything in the perfect world where everything went my way i would be just like a movie star and acting with with the bigs and winning oscars and stuff like that meeting andrew garfield that sort of thing <laughs> but you know i'm just i'm just i'm just uh setting like I don't want to say I'm setting expectations low but I don't want to pressurize myself too much Mm. so I'm aiming for what it would be stage acting or voice acting or screen acting I'm just shooting to get there gotcha gotcha okay so that's fair and the part of the reason I wanted to ask is because I think that would maybe help us put everything in context maybe see (laughs) where things are going just kind of like see what your your goals and dreams are Let's get back to the little kid All aspect right. because that is so fun. So you're in fifth grade, you're in Shrek, you're playing a villager who is tormenting Shrek. And, yeah. and I guess I, I want to know a few things. One is um, you come from this family of actors and actresses. Do you mm-hmm. think you had the bug to be an actor long before your very first play were you one of those kids who's like i don't know maybe five years old and everybody else is singing and performing and dancing and so maybe just join right in oh yeah i did my family would used to do i used to do plays at home with my siblings we would put on a little show we'd give each other parts and sit our parents down and uh 
our oldest brother because our oldest brother was only in one of them. But and uh, but we would just perform in front of them and like just have fun. And there's like home videos of it, and like me as a baby, like walking around as like in a product home production of Peter Pan, and it was just like. And even in Shrek, I, w- I wasn't alone in that. I was in it with, I think, three of my siblings, I'd say. Uh, Skyler was in it, Sam was in it, and I, be- I believe Steven was too. And so I was just raised to be in the theater. Mm, just from a super, super, yeah. super early age. Yeah. And before my first show, I was, do- I was doing classes, I was doing workshops, uh, just everything to get me prepared for acting. And so... Oh man, yeah, it got it got me totally totally prepared. I guess you're hooked. You're just yeah. hopelessly, you know, completely hooked. Oh yeah, for the rest of your life. Yeah, it just hooked me. Okay, so. okay. So if Shrek was the first show, I guess a related question: When you're just this little kid, ten years old, running around, just kind of doing whatever you feel like doing, yeah. um, I, I'm assuming that there's just a whole lot of fun that's happening off stage as well mm. as on stage, or were you very focused? Uh, actor like well I'm just waiting for my scene and then I'm going to go out there and I'm just gonna do my my absolute best or are you like kind of running around like I don't know like a goofy little 10 year old oh I was I was I was actually very focused uh on my next scene uh I didn't interact with people that often mostly mostly because I was kind of socially awkward as a kid and I was like I don't know I don't know any of these people why would I talk to them and so I would just sit in the corner just like on my phone or something and be like I gotta be ready for my next scene and, um, yeah, and I, and I don't get ready for that. When I try to engage with people, they're just like, what is, where did this guy come from? <laughs> like, he just jumped in the conversation. I, I, I would not, like, I would not transition at all. Um, but, um... Is that because a lot of the actors and actresses are maybe older? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of, like, the majority of them were older than me, yes. Okay. Because, yeah, I was a new addition, and uh, it was it was up to, like, 18 years old. That's, that's how old it the range went to and I was just 10 so oh, okay a lot okay. of people were older than me yeah and there's so. like I don't know it's like there's a hundred years between age 10 and say 14 and mm. you know maybe like a thousand years between 10 and 18 yeah so if there's a bunch of 18 year olds there you know they are probably just wondering who is this 10 year old kid yeah <laughs> you know well I guess he's playing one of the villagers who torments Shrek yeah okay. <laughs> so that's awesome okay exactly. so Shrek uh, probably went well. Mm-hmm. And uh, then what were the next plays? What were, I don't know, like take us through grade school, junior high, maybe high school. Just take this as far as you want to take it, Scotty. Oh boy. So I've been in, okay. I'm not, I'm definitely going to go out of order here. Yeah, that's okay. Because there's been a lot. I was in school. I knew, I know Schoolhouse Rock was okay. my second show. And I, that was my first solo that I had. Um, I was in Little Mermaid, Tom Sawyer, Beauty and the Beast. Um, I was in Aladdin twice, uh, both in Aladdin Junior and normal Aladdin. Um, and one of those Aladdins was actually in grade school. It's a grade school production, and I played the Sultan. And the other production was Dr. Shot Clock, where I played a villain that could stop time. And that, that play was called Comic Artist. And I actually have a portrait of myself as dr shot clock in my bedroom and so i don't know those were good times and then um in high school i was in fiddler on the roof 
freshman year. That was a good show. Mm-hmm. I saw mm-hmm. that. That was a very good show. Oh yeah, that was that was great. I I, I was a Russian soloist, <laughs> and I belted a high note like nobody's business. I would hold it longer each night, and just wait until everybody started applauding before me to stop. Like I was that <laughs> determined. And it even like in the yearbook after that, they had a QR code in there where if you scanned it, it would play a video of my solo. And what? so, yeah. And so that was, um, that was awesome. Um, and then the winter play of freshman year was the Hobbit and I played Orin and Oin and Gloin, I think. I don't know. I played two dwarves. Okay. One of them was serious, and I talked like really deep, and then the other one was like a, like a bumbling like, <laughs> it was just really clumsy, and so it was just two like very different roles. That was a wild time. The, the Hobbit. It was just a weird, very very strange play, but yeah. it was it was fun. It was it was good, and then, uh, the last the last show I was in in high school before like I, went back to my community theater to do more stuff was um the drowsy chaperone where i was i was a member of the ensemble i showed up as a monkey i showed up as like a butler and at the end i showed up as this bird that flew around the stage (laughs) and it was like that was my moment i went out in this really bizarre bird costume and i would just run around not following the choreography and like it was it was magical but um yeah and then I went back. I've been in a lot of shows. I've been in over like twenty shows. Holy cow! <laughs> yeah. Well, and just for uh, for people listening, how old are you right now? Oh, I'm nineteen years old. Jeez, in twenty shows at this point, mm-hmm. that's pretty incredible. Oh man! And I even took like a year and a half of a break, okay, for, of doing shows, and I still reached that amount, I guess. Well, was the year and a half? Did that coincide with the whole COVID lockdown? Situation? Oh no, that, it was that was way before that. I took, and I guess it wasn't a year and a half, but I took like a summer off of not doing shows. So uh, I missed out on being in Oklahoma and Big Fish, mm. which my siblings always were asking me about. And I always like feel guilty about because I was like, I could have been in that. But um, did it feel like a year and a half? Because, yeah. because I don't know. I, you know, when my dad stopped coaching baseball at the age of 50 for about five years, he said it felt like somebody just cut off his arm. Yeah. You know, I mean, did you just feel like, I, I'm just missing a vital part of my yeah. existence right now. Yeah, it was a huge part of my life that I skipped out on because I didn't really feel like it. And I didn't really realize that acting was the passion I was going to have. Mm. And it's just something I did for fun. So I was like, I don't feel like it. And I feel like, yeah, I, I was more like stressed out <laughs> doing things. And I was like, I need something to do. And so I went right back to it. Um, well, awesome. Awesome. And then also, too, you kind of went back to community theater. And this is different than where I grew up, because where I grew up, I just don't think there were as many options mm-hmm. as there are here. I mean, here people can do not just one community theater, but because we live in a huge metro, you could join all kinds of different community theaters. Oh, yeah. uh, what drew you back into community theater? Which one was it? Uh, what were the virtues of it? Like, what drew you back? Well, the community theater that I met was uh, Christian Youth Theater, which is now dubbed First Act after after I left. It's not called... The CYT still exists, but uh, the one that I went to is not C- CYT anymore. Um, I don't recall what drew me back to it, but honestly, I believe it was encouragement from siblings 
especially my sister Sarah, who was like, "You, you should act more. Like, why, why, why you, why'd you drop out of it?" And also, the fact that I saw my uh, my brothers in Oklahoma, and that sort of thing. And also, I had a lot of friends in the theater department that like were like they missed me and asked me to come back. And so I was like, "Why not?" And so, gosh, I don't remember the show I returned on. Um, I believe it was, it was not You Can't Take It With You. Or was it? It's okay. I don't It'll know. I don't remember. I don't recall. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all, it's all in the past now. So I don't like, yeah, it's kind of foggy, but yeah. So I came back and I did a lot more shows and, um, yeah, that was yeah, it was a good time. Coming as you do from a family where there are just so many actors and actresses and there are directors and uh, I guess writers as well. Mm-hmm. Coming from a family like this, I I'm just trying to struggle to put into words, but how instinctual is all of this for you? But also too, do you feel like you're getting a lot of good advice? You know, mm-hmm. that that your family can just put their finger on what needs to happen, and they just give you excellent advice. I mean, what's what's going on when you're coming from a big family? Or do you wind up with dissenting opinions, and do you ultimately get thrown back on your own opinion? You know, because, hey, maybe one person says, go east, and then the yeah. other person says, go west. Yeah. My, uh, my family and I have always, have most of the time, have dissenting opinions about my acting, saying that how... I don't know. They they say like I'm a character actor and I'm more like skilled at comedies and uh, that sort of thing, and uh, I've never really, well, since they haven't really, like I've only been around my dad and my brother who aren't like involved in theater. Like they didn't study theater much, so they didn't get much advice from them. But my sister Sarah was telling me about how like don't play like. At first, she taught me to just be myself when you first audition. And then when you get called back, you could start maybe do a voice or a, an impression or something to help like catch the director's eye. And so... What is the strategy on that? I mean, be yourself. That sounds... I, I'm kind of an outsider, but that sounds like opposite. Well, what you would think of when you think of acting. Yeah, well, when you audition like as yourself, that shows the director like what you can do like normally in that it, it sets it sets a site for the it's it, they see it they see your foundation on stage they see the foundation of who you are as an actor and from there they can decide oh he will be he could be great for this or i want to see him in this or what what's his range what can he do and so that's that's the normal strategy so do a lot of people do that i i believe i believe it's a common practice in the okay. theater um, I was definitely, I definitely heard the similar things when I was in college in the theater department of how they run the auditions there, but mostly of how they see you. It's, it's, it's got a lot to do with the monologue, with the piece you audition with as well to show like, cause it's gotta be a monologue or, or a song that relates to the character, right? So that they could see, Oh, I could see the character saying this so they can shoot for this. I could definitely see them as this. And so. But the most important thing is just don't try any like obvious like accents or voices or anything like that so that they could see just the scope. It makes sense to me in retrospect that the more I'm sitting and thinking about it, the more 
it makes me realize that, well, what do we oftentimes treasure in actors or actresses is the appearance of authenticity. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we appear, we, we love it when things appear to be absolutely and totally real. You yeah. know, where, where it just seems like, well, of course, this character, it's not a character. This is a real person, you know, yeah. when we can just get sucked into the illusion of the whole thing. And so I guess if you're playing yourself, they do see that authenticity. And I guess that supplies this base, as you were talking about, that they can see your whole emotional range. You know, they mm -hmm. can see you at the heights of happiness, uh, the depths of sadness. They can see you at white hot rage, just yeah. whatever the case may be. Yeah. Exactly. And then you can change it up from there as you get mm -hmm. different roles. Yeah. Once they kind of know who you are, then you can toy with it. Then you could experiment. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just trying to guess. Is that is that how this works? Yeah, that's exactly it. Because okay. if you put on like a voice or an impression, that just shows one emotion that you can have. You can't really go. It's hard to see where you can go from there. Gotcha. But with your regular, like normal, like chest voice, like when you project... It shows more like, oh, like he, he knows, he knows what he's about. He can, he, he sounds like a person, like an average Joe that you can, that you can walk up to and talk to. And so, yeah, okay. that, that's he, just, that's just my, my belief on that. I mean, it's not like set in stone or anything, but that's, right. that's what I was taught. Right. Um, well, it makes sense. I mean, the world has had millions of actors. There has to be many, many different ways of doing it. Mm. Um, but this seems to be a very good way, just as mm. far as I can tell, just from what you're saying. Yeah. So, so, okay. So then you turn 18 and, uh, off to college. So tell me a little college. bit about your college career, unless we skipped something from earlier. Um, well we did. Okay. One of the, before college, I believe I want to, I want to talk about this because this play holds a special place in my heart. I was in a production of the dining room. Okay. And in the dining room, it was just a small cast of, I would say about six or seven of us but the dining room is a unique play where everybody plays multiple roles because every scene is tells a different story so i played a total of i believe it was eight roles Whoa. different scenes yeah and it was just oh man it was the biggest range of acting i had ever done up to that point and everybody in that show that i worked with was just so welcoming and so like friendly and kind and we were we stayed in touch well after the show ended. Oh my gosh. And met up a couple times. Um but yeah, it was great and we were under the direction of Andrew and Jana Milborn who are family family friends and we know them well. And um yeah, and it was just What's the basic premise of the play? I mean, here's kind of what I'm... I, I'm hearing you say it's basically a collection of short stories. Yes. Uh, and, and it allows each actor or actress to have just a completely different set of characters mm -hmm. that he or she is playing. Yeah. It, it, it's basically a series of vignettes okay. told in a play, but each scene has something in common. They, they all are set around the same dining room set. Okay. And so it's in different homes, but the dining room set is the same. Okay. And so it tells a story of like the American like American family and how their lives are lived and how and their different issues and problems, but also their unity. And so I played a father, a little boy, a, a Irish mechanic, <laughs> a um an old man, just a, a lot of roles that really piece together just a family 
Wow. And so in its eight different scenes. Oh, it it was it was it was more than that. It was like uh I believe it was, it was like something like twelve scenes. Well how long is each scene? Oh, maybe like five or five seven to ten minutes, minutes something yeah, like that. Yeah, okay, five that to would seven, make sense. I would say. Yeah. They they weren't they weren't long at all. Gotcha. But um yeah, and it was just it was it was amazing. It, that that that's what made theater feel like home to me. Okay. That that's when it that's when the first spark lit where I was like I was meant to do this, and this is like, this this is how I go from here. Wow. And wow. Yeah, Scotty, that's actually a very incredible story, and to me that would be kind of like an actor's dream too because, um, I don't know. There's actors out there who seem to kind of play the same part mm-hmm. over and over and over again, and yeah. some of those people are great. You know, like I think about a. I don't know, a Jack Nicholson, for example. He's super elderly right now. He must be getting close to 90, uh, Mm. you know, but he always kind of played the crazy guy. Oh, yeah. Like film after film after film after film. And maybe if there is a big difference between what he's doing, I'm just not seeing it. But but he was always a a delight to watch. Mm. But I guess what you're doing strikes me as even better. You know, because what you're doing is you're playing a very different character every single time. For me, that would be far more exhilarating uh, just to see if I could do it, just if I could see if I could understand the range on things. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. Do you have a dream for yourself as an actor? Do you want to do many, many different type of roles or would you prefer to be? I don't know, kind of known, like a Jack Nicholson as, hey, mm-hmm. this is the crazy guy every time, or Clint Eastwood, this is the tough guy every time. I mean, I don't think I have a typecast. I believe, like, I predicted my typecast would be, like, the shy, like, nerdy dude, but that did not happen. I believe every every role I played has been different, and so I think I think I was meant to play it's in different genres of media, and, um... Yeah, I'll I'll take I'll just I'll just shoot for I'll just close my eyes and point to like the cast list and be like oh all right let's let's shoot for this role because honestly it's like it's like spin the wheel at this point <laughs> like to be like who do I like who am I gonna be like this time because they're all just so different. How do you prepare? Mm-hmm. How do you prepare for something? So usually, I don't I don't method act, but what I do to get in the mindset I I sort of develop the personality. Of the character, which can be very dangerous, and I need to work on that. But it's I, I definitely get into like how would my character feel in this moment? How would my character act? What would my what would my character feel? How does he respond to others? What do other people say about him? Uh, yeah, it, it's just, and that that was also taught to me in in college. It's script analysis of how to build a character, and so I use that and apply that. And um, before I get on stage, I just take a deep breath, and I was like, I'm not I'm not Scotty Smeltzer anymore. Okay. That's not me. Okay. That, you know, if I were this Irish mechanic and if I were presented with this situation, I would be exhilarated Mm -hmm. or I would be enraged, just whatever the case may be. Yeah. Uh, Just to fall into it on the basis of who is my character and what are the circumstances. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Exactly like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then, well, what about things that that would be, I, I think some actors would look at backgrounds like maybe Mm -hmm. they would write character sketches 
for their characters. Oh, yeah. Just to, do you do things like that? You know, like, well, hey, my, I'm playing a 32-year-old person, but what was this guy like when he was 5, when he was 10, when he was 15? Mm. Do, you, do you go into the past that way with characters? No, I, I've actually never never done that before. Um, usually when we... When I study for a character, I'm more focused on the present and the character and the now. What was he act like in this? But I also consider how he acts now, considering what what has been done or what they have done in the past. And so I use that, but I don't focus on... Unless there's a specific clue from the script right or like historical background that I can go off of. But um, no, I usually, I usually don't look for that. I'll... Uh, I'll keep that in mind next time I uh, okay. develop a character. Okay. That's, well, that's I would assume that most playwrights give you enough information right within the play that they probably give you everything that you need to know. Oh, yeah. And that you probably don't have to write a whole extra background. But I, I could just see where it could be helpful, but at the same token, in many cases, it could be unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, so far, you've just put yourself in the situation and gone from there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So... Okay, after the dinner party, then, right. uh, yeah, should we go on to college? Yeah, college. College. All right, here we go. It's been, it's been wild already, and I'm just, this is my first year here. So, first off, I was in a, I was in a play called Fools by Neil Simon. Okay. I played the role of a Gregor Yelskovich, <laughs> a Russian aristocrat. Okay. Who, like, is very, like, bolsterous and very, like, he's very dumb but also just very depressed. And it's just like, he's just, he, like, he's a clown, basically. Like, the whole play, how we did it, was we considered every character as if they were a clown. And mine would be one of those clowns that had, like, a teardrop on their oh, eye because I was just like... What he's a, a sad clown. Yeah, a sad clown that would play up their sadness and the loneliness to the point where it, it was just, it was so funny. And, I like, I played it just... My my accent would switch every scene. It switched from like Russian to like something that Polish to like German, okay. and it was never like every scene I was in. My voice was different, and it was why? just why? Like, why would you do that? I I feel like my, I feel like some of the, some of it was just uh, my voice getting tired, but I also believe that the inconsistency of how the character acts is funny. Yeah, it's it's funny, and just the the character. It's it's like a different character every scene. Or in this scene, he's like, ah, oh, I'm a big guy. I'm coming in and this girl will love me. And then I come in and I'm like, I'm depressed and alone. The, the, the audience hates me. You all hate me. <laughs> then the third one was, I'm the most evil person on the planet. <laughs> and this is my plan all along. And it's just, oh my gosh. It was, it was, it's a roller coaster. This seems like a very unusual Neil Simon play. I oh, haven't yeah. heard of this one. Oh yeah. It's, it's very, it's very funny. There's a lot of, it, there are a lot of dad jokes in it. Uh, okay. I, to be completely honest, it runs on dad jokes, just things that are like, oh, haha, like that's, see what you did there, like a play on words, gotcha. but it's just everybody in the town, everybody in a Russian, small, small Russian town is cursed with stupidity. <laughs> and so a smart doctor comes over to tutor this young girl. And so he comes over and he sees like, oh, the only way, like, to make a long story short, he finds out the only way to break this curse of stupidity is to tutor this young daughter, or if I, Gregory Yaskovich, marries her. And so that's the whole plot of it. And it's just like, it's so crazy and nonsensical, but it's so whimsical, and I love it. Well, it um, sounded like it was probably a ton of fun to play. Yeah. 
It, it sort it of taps was. into that multiple character strategy yeah. that you picked up from the dinner party. Yeah, it was. Okay, so then after Fools. Then after Fools, I was, there was Trojan Women. I did not act in that, but I was an usher in that, which I was the head usher, which was the first time I worked uh, as a, like, not a stagehand, but just behind the scenes okay. on stuff. And then after that, after that, the original Works Festival. It was a series of three works. One by the voice and movement class, which I was in, and then an original work written by a senior student, and then a full play written and brought to stage by the head of the theater department, Derek Troutwine. And so the first one, Lisa Winter, was an interpretive dance piece that uh, I uh, I was in. I played, it was about the creation of man. I was Satan. Uh, it was, oh my gosh. Yeah, Adam stabs Eve with a banana. It's very interpretive. <laughs> um, okay. Like, it's interpretive, interpretive dance. It's whatever you make of it. Um, but yeah, that was it was for a class assignment, and that went well. It went pretty well. The people were asking a lot of questions and trying to learn more about it. Um, the next one, Computer Demons, was written by a senior student, uh, Ben Maruco, and it was about how... How, how devastating the spread of, like, media conglomerates is, like, spreading over the world. Like, how, you know, Facebook and the metaverse and, like, Instagram and all, all those things. Like, they're all just, like, out to, like, get your information and skim you and that sort of thing. And they're all just a bunch of computer demons. And that was the pull point. But that was, that was a script reading. Okay. They did. And the third one that, that, I just, that I just acted in last month was called Looking for a Fight. That's and, a good title. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I played, I played the lead role of Jake, the man. It's it's a very, it's a very heavy story. Um, yeah, tell me the story. Yeah, I played a father who grew up in a cycle of violence from his dad. He was uh, he he lived in a very violent home, and so he had um, later on. He's a father to a daughter. And he learns that his daughter had been hit by another kid. Hmm. And he suspects that that kid is in the same cycle of violence. And he doesn't want his daughter to get involved the same way he was. So he wants to talk to that kid's dad because he suspects that something is up. But knowing that he's like a total hothead and a very like outspoken person, everybody believes that he, he's, he's trying to fight him, that he's looking for a fight with this guy. But the truth is, I'm not. It turns out I was, I was definitely not. I just wanted to talk to him. And the whole time I'm trying to explain, and I, there's just so many arguments I have, and it's about, it's about life in a small town. It's about life and just how, how, strugg- how, how much of a struggle living in that sort of home can be and how it turns people into something that they're not. You know, I, I like that. I like that. And and here's why. I'm from a small town. Oh, yeah. I'm from a small town with 800 people. And the thing is, it's very easy for people to get typecast or mm-hmm. set into a reputation. And it becomes kind of unshakable for yeah. a lot of people. Um, and, of course, that's really unfortunate, especially when a person's young. Because, I don't know, let's say you're 14 and you get typecast. 
But by the time you're 16, you might want to try a whole bunch of new things and be a completely different person. Mm -hmm. I guess you can bust out of like however they typecast you, but some people don't. I mean, some people, it's just too much of a trap. Everybody thinks they know who you are, and Mm. that is going to be the person that you're going to be. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, all that being said, I loved growing up where I grew up, and people were very gentle. It was northern Iowa. Um, And I think we just sort of have a reputation for that. There's like that whole cliched phrase Mm -hmm. of Iowa nice. But nonetheless, I just, I really like that because what you're describing is just that whole stereotype that can occur in those situations. So I guess your character maybe had this reputation of being violent. You know, he's going to go for the violence. But but in this particular situation, he's actually trying to calm things down, de-escalate things. Mm -hmm. Can, can we do a spoiler? Uh, spoiler alert. Can you spoiler? tell me how the play ends? So the play ends. So the man that... The man that I was waiting to talk to for the whole play, we find out that he got into a terrible car crash off of, off of an interstate and is now in a coma. And so now it's time for my, my character's redemption because I, I know that that I may not ever get that, you know, the sort of the sense of justice I was looking for, mm. that talk that I was looking for. And that would like, but maybe I will, and maybe people will believe that I was never looking for a fight. But at that moment, something sparks my character that was not there before. And that changes my whole mindset of maybe I'm going about this the wrong way. And maybe the way I'm doing things makes people believe I'm a violent person. And so my, uh, yeah, his uh, his ex girlfriend walks in, and they're uh, yeah, they recently they split. They share they share joint custody with the daughter, and she comes on, and she comes on the bench, and she was like, they talk for a little bit, and I'm like, what are you gonna do now? And she's like, I'm just gonna go home and take my daughter home, and at that moment, uh, I ask her to move back in, to set things right, and that I meant it when I said I wasn't going to hit I was gonna, wasn't going to hit the guy and I meant every word I said and I was going to set things right with her what persuades her we don't know if I persuaded her before she can answer the lights dim and oh. the play ends oh jeez okay. oh yeah leave it up to the readers or excuse me the viewers imagination oh yeah it got the audience every time the first showing we did it when the lights start dimming some girl in the audience went no no <laughs> <laughs> It's hard not to smile. It's hard not to smile. But, um, oh yeah, it was, and I gotta say, this, this play was the hardest I've ever acted. Why? The most difficult, I played practically the polar opposite of myself. Okay. I had to put myself in a completely different body. I had to walk with confidence. I had to know what I was going to do or say. I just had to be, it's total like, arrogant hothead <laughs> that was that kind of I, fun though yeah it was very fun i had to come off as a very violent person when in reality i'm like extremely passive and people can walk all over me <laughs> and it was just it's hard i had to open i had to carry a soda can like it was a beer and open it with one hand and i was like i've never done that before like what did <laughs> like, uh, somebody show you how to do that uh i just kind of like yeah they yeah, the director showed me how to hold it like a beer, but I I got the idea of opening it with one hand because I thought that would look cool, and uh, it was typical for me because I broke my middle finger once, and so I had to do it with my index finger, 
and I only did it one time successfully, but it was great. <laughs> okay. But, Scotty, yeah. I, I think you could give some people some life advice here because I think- Life people, advice? Yeah, because I think uh, just from acting, I think that a lot of people would love to go from maybe a little bit more on the shy side, a little bit on the, you know, like you said, like a little less confident. Yeah. So now all of a sudden you're playing like this this arrogant, dominating figure. I think a lot of people would like a confidence infusion. So how Thank do you, you portray that? How? I mean, like you said, if you feel like that was opposite from your main personality- mm. Which, which, uh, you know, I, gosh, you know, I enjoy your main personality, so I'm not sure I want you to change, but <laughs> how, how would you recommend to people that they infuse themselves with confidence? How, well, they could act, I guess they could act, but how do I pull up that acting job? I do what I do. I do a lot of breathing exercises. Okay. And so that, that gets me out of the mind of who I am as the actor and puts me into who I am as the character. And then... Back, while backstage, while I'm in like the green room, I like fix my posture. I, I practice walking as my character does. Mm. I sit the way my character does. Okay. And that like gets me like right in the mood. Like I notice I'm more grumpy and I was like, here we go. It's starting. And um, so it's all about the body language. Oh, yeah. Okay. It, it's just like how when you when you smile, it tricks your brain into like thinking you're happy. Like, it you know, you it's happier. true. It's true. And I, I've heard that. I've read that. And I actually do that. Yeah. And if I'm in a foul mood, I will walk down the hall and I will try to grin, you know, and uh, it does start to put you in a better mood. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a way of kind of like tricking your body or tricking yeah. your, your psyche, you know, into being more cheerful. Uh, breathing exercises. What, what breathing exercises do you do? I'm familiar with the man Wim Hof. Have you heard of Wim Hof? No, I have not. Wim Hof is Dutch. I mean, mm. that's that's his name, Wim Hof. That's his first and his last name. Well, he became super famous for doing things like swimming underneath sheets of ice. You oh. know, he is used to immersing himself in the cold. He will do things like he will train people to climb a snowy mountain, mm. and everybody's wearing, like, no shirt or just a T-shirt and shorts, and they go barefoot, and they're tromping through the snow. Oh. And they get cold adapted so that the cold is fine. I mean, this guy is just perpetually like jumping into lakes that are one degree above freezing, you know. <laughs> and uh, the other thing he does other than cold immersion is he does breathing exercises. So he's super famous for these things. There's some videos he has on YouTube that have something like 40 million views where it's mm-hmm. just basically Wim Hof guiding you through a breathing exercise. So, you know, and then that gets tied into the third thing he does, the third and last thing, which is meditation. Mm. So cold adaptation, breathing exercises and meditation. But I think for acting, it's probably different. What Mm. what do you guys do for breathing exercises? Well, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily recommend putting yourself in danger uh, for to put yourself in a role. Yeah, with Wim Hof, um, he really kind of trains you. Yeah. He's not just like, oh, go jump into a thirty three degree lake, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and so what I would do, I don't, I don't do it. We don't do it as a group breathing. Only, only sometimes, and those were in classes, if I recall correctly. But I would just, I would just close my eyes and breathe in, hold for six. In, no, in for six, hold for eight, and then out for six. Okay. And just, yeah, and just feel the environment around me, like, change and shift. And, and I'd also, like, pray to God for strength and, yeah, encouragement and to just, like, stay present with me on the stage. And 
Yeah, and, and normally it works. But my main my main motto that I tell myself when I got on the stage is that I'm not acting for me. I'm not in this show for me. I'm in here to tell a story that impacts people. And That's that, really good. That would suck the ego out of it. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm not in it for myself. And that, that definitely like sucks, sucks more of the me out of it because I'm not in the mindset of the actor where I'm like, oh, I know what the scene looks like. I know what to do and say because I memorized the script. Like, no, the character does not know what's going to happen in the story. So you're in here to tell the story in a way that makes it real and raw. And that's that's what I go off of. That's how that's what I live by. I love um, that. I mean, that's kind of a little bit of what I was hinting at earlier when I was talking about the actor who always plays himself. Yeah. Versus the actor who maybe plays 12 different parts that are all very, very distinct mm-hmm. from each other. I, I just love the whole idea of that. Sure, everybody might be looking at me as an actor, not that I'm an actor, but I am disappearing into this role. Yeah. I'm just absolutely disappearing into this role. I, I just love that whole concept. And I guess that's what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty good. Well, then what's the next, what's the next play after that? Or was that? Uh, 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 the next, the next production and the last one for this year. Okay. Will be Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, what uh, is that? I, that was Horrors. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. April, April 22nd to the 26th. Okay. Of and 2022. Then, yeah. Of 2022 gotcha. of this year. And I play uh, a wino and uh, Skip Snip. So, okay. Um, yeah. So I play I play a homeless drunk person <laughs> and uh, a suave uh, agent, like insurance agent, a real estate agent. I don't know. Just just an agency, I guess. But um, he's very suave and like overly confident. And I've already put myself in the mindset of that already and like gotten in trouble a few times at rehearsal. So I need to tone that down. But um, Because what? You're too suave? Yeah, I'm, t- I'm too suave and like confident. I'm just like... I'm too confident for my own good. Um, oh my gosh, Scotty, you went from saying like in real life you're on the shy side to now oh yeah. you're way too confident. Now I'm on way stage. too confident, and I'm like I like talk in rehearsal, and I just like ah, I can't like I need to get I need to I need to control that switch. I need to be able to do that switch that you know movie actors can do. Like they could like turn it on and off at will. That's right. But um, that's right. Well, how do you play? I don't know a homeless person with addictions. Um, and then switch all on the same play to, I don't know, Johnny Swab. I have not actually attempted that yet. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I believe I can pull off drunk really well. Okay. Um, I, I think I did that already in Fiddler on the Roof. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I know I like, I can, I can do a stumble, like slur my speech a little bit, like anything I can do, but like do that, that transition is going to be, going to be rough. But that's it, crazy. But that's range. It's even more range than I had before. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do you feel like you want to take on parts that are going to just consistently challenge your range? Uh, just things that are going to be maybe past your range. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I want to. I want to see the full extent of what I can do. Okay. And like, I want to scope the full, the full range of my capabilities. Okay. Do Do you suspect there's a limit someplace, or are you thinking? Well, maybe not. Maybe well, there's not a limit. Maybe it's just how far I push myself. Well, I mean, everybody's got a limit, but I just, I just need to find mine. I like, I, I never thought in a million years that I could play a character like Jake, but there I was on the stage. I acted like I, I grew up in a small town and not a big city my whole life, 
and just it was opposite. Yeah, it was, it was very opposite. I, I, I like I don't know what it's like to be in a small town. I've never like stayed in like stayed more than a day in one. <laughs> I don't believe it's so, one or two of these plays available online for people. Um, I on YouTube or something. The original Works Festival. I do not believe so. Um, I believe. I can't recall if Fools was recorded or not. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure a recording exists somewhere among the theater department. Man, somebody may have. I don't know. Pirated it. But I, okay. I don't know. Well, but... this kind of gets into a later question for me that I, I want to ask down the road. But I might as well just plunge and ask it now. But... Do you do any kind of like a YouTube? channel for yourself or some sort of portfolio so that i mean right now you're at benedictine yes but let's just say that i don't know uh you wanted to apply for a role in a different theater someplace like Mm -hmm. i don't know like something super prestigious in chicago or new york or someplace you know and and they wanted to see some sort of a portfolio of your work how would Mm -hmm. people do that well, I would say that normally I would say yes, but I believe the best showing of what of what I can do and like what my my talents are. I do have a uh, I have a Fiverr that okay. I do commissions on. I get paid for my like my voice acting and my singing. Oh, you do? And, yeah. Okay. Yes. And I uh, t- I I just started this week, so I haven't gotten any. Or I mean, last week, I guess it's Sunday. So I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. A huge entrepreneur. Okay, <laughs> but um, you're starting. I'm starting. I'm just starting out. How so. do they find you on Fiverr? I mean, I, I just I just post the link where I can. I do guess. they look you up under your name? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and it's it's Spotify Premium. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of your funny nickname. Yeah, kind of, kind of my funny nickname. Yeah, that's that's usually that's usually my go-to. Except I don't know. I may have to change it if I get an income from it. I don't want Spotify to be looking for a lawsuit on me. But, right, um, right, right, right. <laughs> uh, Scottify premium. But, okay, so there was also the Adams family in right. there, wasn't there? Yes, yes, there was the Adams family. And then that one has kind of an interesting sequel. Oh, yeah, okay. So I was in the Adams family twice. Once in November of 2018, I think. 2018. Like it. It, was a, it was a while ago. Okay. Or maybe it was maybe it was even like 2020 or 2019. I don't know, but it okay. was it was a, it was like several years ago, and I play the role of the antagonist, Mal Beinecke, or Malcolm Beinecke. I think Malcolm is a cooler name. It was the father of the man that Wednesday wants to marry in the production because that's that's the whole conflict. Wednesday wants to marry this completely normal guy, and the right. whole family's freaking out. Right, and so I I did that role. It was fun. It was it was one of the best like casts. I've been in like with the dining room and you're in town. Those were like, those are three, like my top three probably. And so, um, yeah, I got out there. That was great. And then a few years later, uh, like flash forward to the summer of 2021 where I, I'm going to see a production of the honest family that my sister Sarah's directing. And I'm with my family in the kitchen. We're eating before we're going to head out. I get a call from my sister and she 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 calls me and she's like, hey, so we the kid who's uh, playing Mal, he's uh, he's he's sick. We uh, he can't he can't perform tonight. Would you maybe be able to come on and play the role of Mal Beinecke? Jeez. And I was like, 
looked at the time. It's an hour before, like, it's an hour before house opens. And I'm like, heck, let's do it. <laughs> and so I drive, we, we drive over there. I get rushed into the backstage in the green room. I get rushed into the costume and they give me the script and I look over my lines. I have to memorize my lines again. And also some new lines that were in this version and weren't in the other version. So it was like, I was back in the role. And so... How do you memorize all these lines when you haven't been in this play for about <laughs> somewhere between two and four years? And then, boom, you just do it that evening. How do you do that? I don't... Honestly, I don't know. Once it, I guess once it's in my head, if it's something that I'm really focused on and that that is my like main priority and my main focus. It does not leave my head at all. And so it, it, it was, di it's different in college now. It's, it's tough to manage because with all the classes and all the stuff and all that, I can't do it that well. But at this time, yeah, once I was once by the time the curtains were open, I'd, I'd set the script down and I went out like totally off book and I was able, was able to do it just in the zone, I guess. Yeah. Wow. And, and played, played my role exactly the same as I did it. It's several years prior. How desperate was Sarah? Oh, I mean, she was pretty, she was pretty like, she was miffed. She was pretty miffed. She was pretty, uh, I would, I would use, I would use desperate, but she was just like, we need, we need Val. We need like, Valvatiki. I mean, was she just angry at the situation when you say miffed? Yeah. Yeah. She was just, just, just like annoyed at the situation. She knew like, I wasn't going to say no. And I think she knew that. And I wasn't, I wouldn't give up an opportunity to act and like, like get the limelight. <laughs> I'm well, kidding. you know, she's but such I'm... a gentle personality. Not to talk oh, yeah. too much about your family members here, but but I, in a way, I guess I'm glad she was angry instead of uh, panicked. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Maybe maybe she was a little bit panicked. I could I couldn't tell by her tone. I was more focused on what she was asking me gotcha. to do. Gotcha. <laughs> but gotcha. I, I believe, yeah. No, it was. There's a little bit of um, yeah, like some annoyance, some panic, but... What a rock-solid family you yeah. guys come from that she can just call you up and then she can depend on you yeah. and because it's kind of a crisis. I mean, when one of your actors is sick mm -hmm. and uh, the play cannot go on without somebody playing that role and then mm -hmm. just for you to be able to fall straight into that yeah. role, just how great is that that you guys can depend on each other the way that you do? Oh, yeah. She, she was very thankful. We, we all we all we all lean on each other when we need it. We all we all can trust each other to to be there. And because we're the only we're the only family we've got, you know, that's right. We're the one true family. We that's have. right. That's and so right. we we, we got to rely on each other. We got to be there to support. And that's that's what I wanted to do for that's, my sister. That's that's. That's awesome. Yeah. That's just beautiful to hear. Yeah. Okay, I well, I want to ask you some questions where I guess where we go behind the curtain and we just see like how things are made. Uh, I feel like I've already asked you questions about roles you would like to play and maybe roles you wouldn't like to play. Okay. Uh, but, but do you have anything more to say on the subject of roles, like ideal roles or, or no way, any mm. of those type of things? Well, my my ideal role right now that I want to play that I've always not always wanted to play, but just recently, like as as long as I knew the musical existed, there's Frank Avignale Jr. in Catch Me If You Can. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I thrive. Wait, I, that's a musical. Yes, that's a musical. Oh cool. Yeah, and I thrive on jazz, and the entire soundtrack, it sands one maybe one or two songs are all like jet centered around jazz and they're just so like smooth and suave. And I just want to like be that character. I've like, I know like all the songs 
I've sung them, and they're just, oh man, they're addicting. They're just, ah, oh, they're so smooth. And the well, other, what? It, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. And the, and the other role, uh, I was, I was, I was gonna say that the other role that I wanted to play was uh, JD and uh, Heather's. Oh so, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. And just yeah. for people who don't know, catch me if, if you can. Could you just briefly describe the plot of that, just so that people know the part that you yeah. want to play? All right. So young, I believe, seventeen-year-old Frank Avenale Jr. is a young. He he's a young con man. He travels around the world and he like commits fraud to inherit like thousands thousands of dollars to impersonate different occupations he, he he's a doctor he becomes a lawyer he's a pilot and he's like the police are just trying to catch him and trying trying to get to them they, they, they like can't find him because he's always tricking them and like even when they do like he impersonates an fbi agent and gets away with it because they trust him so much because of how confident he is and um yeah and he learns learns it from his dad and this and is a true story it's a true story it's that's a true the story. part that's yeah. mind-blowing about oh, yeah. it it's based on yeah it's 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 loosely I mean loosely based on a like reality of how Frank Gavinell Jr. tricked tricked all these people and eventually yeah eventually he gets caught but then he works for uh, works for the government he works for the government as a fraud detector yes yes as a fraud detector he, he sees he looks at checks and he decides oh this is definitely fraudulent and it's just it's so cool it is it's, it's, it's a great great movie with Steven Spielberg I didn't really realize mm-hmm. it was a musical. Oh, um, is somebody putting it on? Like, how would you oh, get into no. this part? Uh, would you just have to persuade a director that you know to put it on? Oh yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, I'd have to persuade a director big time okay. to put it on. I've never, I've never seen or heard of it being being produced, but I know it's officially like I believe it's on Broadway. There's official like recording of all the songs on Spotify available, and. Yeah, it's man, a, Scotty, you're just gonna have to play that confident character, stroll into a director's oh, office, yeah. and tell them that they have to put on this show and cast you as Frank Abnagel. Yeah, go in with the tux, and I will impersonate <laughs> the role <laughs> of Frank Abnagel Jr. I'll walk in and be like, "Oh, you called me? You said I was cast." <laughs> so. I think that's great. Okay, and then Heather's. Uh, Heather's. Okay, so Heather's, correct me if I'm wrong, was a movie from roughly about 1988. Yes, and then I guess maybe a play. Okay, yeah, you um, take it from here. So, yeah, it was the first movie in 1988 with uh, Winona Ryder and I believe Patrick Swayze? I don't remember. I don't remember who played I J.D. I just but don't remember. Yeah, I'm sorry to all the viewers who are screaming at me who plays J.D. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, it, became, it became a musical based on the movie where um, the main gist of it, normally I don't like... Uh, stories that are set in high school okay, because they dr- dr- dramatize it a lot and they like inflate it where it's not even like realistic and all no. the characters are just no. really fake and I don't like them. But this, I love Heather's because it makes fun of that and it totally blows it all out of the water because everybody, everybody's like, everybody's just a huge like toxic like murderer or like drug addict and it's like oh my god it's so insane i feel like i should see this again oh yeah it's like is it okay wait i okay i saw this in 1988 which was i don't know gosh how many years ago was that 24 so i barely remember it is it a comedy is it a horror movie what is it it's it's a it's a black comedy black comedy like it it thrives on dark comedy got it and so yeah, it's 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 not for everyone. That's for sure. Okay, um, definitely not for everybody. But yeah, catch me if you can. It's for everybody. Catch me if you can. It's for all ages. And it you is. should see both see the movie because it's my favorite movie and watch the musical. 
But um, yeah, and so Heather's, uh, I believe, is one of the only the only murderer. I'm sorry, excuse me, is JD. Okay, who like comes off as this like this again suave. suave. <laughs> I guess just all suave. Suave characters are the best. But he comes on. He's just like he drives a motorcycle. He's super like. He's just this goth dude, and he's uh, very, very cool and stuff, but very violent. And uh, the main, the main girl, uh, Veronica, instantly like falls in love with him, and so they have a relationship. And then she discovers, oh, he is a crazy person. Mm. And JD just slowly like to keep their love intact. He starts just straight up just killing people. Oh boy! And like framing wait, them. Wait, wait, he kills people to keep their love intact. Yeah. Why is he bumping off people she doesn't like? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's okay. bumming off people that she doesn't like, and then uh, eventually, I don't know, I don't know if I can discuss this on the podcast <laughs> about dark it gets. Well, I just like mm-hmm. slap an explicit warning on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So eventually, like, it play ends where like he's trying to like. Yeah, like, spoiler. Yeah, spoiler alert. Uh, at the end of the at the end of the musical, he tries to like blow up the school so that he and Veronica could be alone together, like forever. And so, like, wow. And is yeah. this, uh, is this how it is still produced? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so it's still okay. produced. Veronica stops it. Okay. Uh, good for her. Uh, okay. she stops it, but JD, JD dies in the process. And, uh, yeah, she lives like her happily life. ever after. Yeah. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. A lot of trauma probably lot of after trauma. that. Okay. But yeah, I mean like she lives. Yeah. She, okay. She continues her life after that, but playing, I, I believe like JD, being able, like, I just want to be able to go psychotic on stage because oh, I've never gotten gotcha. a chance. Because gotcha. I believe I can do that. I want to try doing that transition and, like, being that guy. And also, like... I guess I've, more I've, range expansion. Yeah, more range expansion. And I've also always wanted to drive a motorcycle as well. I think that would be cool. <laughs> My family would never let me. And like, but, um, that'd be sick. Um, but yeah, I just, I just always thought it was a cool character. But then when I was, when I was introduced to Frank Abnail Jr., I was like, oh, that's the character I want to be. Gotcha. But those are, yeah, those are definitely my like two. Yeah. This is an interesting twist for you. I mean, you kind of are going for the villains here now. You're going for like the con artist who steals all the money. And then you're going for this JD character who is uh, perpetrating murder. I've been slowly discovering that I uh, like villains are my thing. (laughs) Like I'm better at portraying villains. Like we were, I was discussing with the theater department. We were casting each other like as what we would be in the Lion King, and they just looked at me and they're just like, "You're Scar, really? You're, just, you're Scar, yeah." They they could really? see that I could pull off the villain really well. Okay. I could just be like a huge like jerk. And be oh my that. gosh! But um, no, not not based on my like no in real life. Act, in but, real life, you're the most gentle and generous and giving person. My thank you. I think that's high praise. It's high praise. Well, it's true. It's yeah, but um. Yeah, on stage I can like really like beef it up and be like, like say say how it is and be like this huge like presence. And I guess, or I, I I'm just guessing. I don't know what they mean, but I could just portray evil. Well, I, I mean, there's always evil. kind of this cliche that the villains are the super fun characters to play. Yeah, right, right. You know? And and my whole my whole thing, my whole personality thrives on fun. So gotcha. I think, yeah, I think that's where it comes from a lot of times. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Well, I want to also ask a few other questions about going behind the curtain. And uh, this Mm -hmm. one is related to other actors and actresses. Um, Is there a type of personality out there that is just really fun to be the opposite of, or, or I guess what I'm trying to say to, to be in the same cast with? Like, uh, is there a certain type of actor or actress where you're thinking, 
hey, this person, this is just going to be great. This is going to be a wonderful yeah. experience. Uh, so I guess who are your ideal counterparts? I like be in a cast with actors that, I don't know, that know they're, like, that can do a part. I know they can do a part well. Like, they have the voice, they can do it, and they're just, like, very talented actors that belong on Broadway. Because then I can, like, get to see how they do it and be, like, a foil with them and be, like, but like but I best friends with them. Like I'm very I'm very good friends with a lot of talented, talented people that have way more like acting like acting prowess than me. And it's just always always fun to to play, to, to like to act with them because we can set the scene with each other. And so a few examples that Sam Ilum has played the the lead in every in every show I believe he's he's auditioned for and deserved each and every one of them because wow. of how well he is. Uh, he was Grandpa Joe when I was Grandpa George in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, that's fun! Yeah, in a production where the bed broke in the middle of uh, a show, and we had to we had to play it off. I remember that's that's what I remember the most. <laughs> but um, so he sounds kind of like he's the epitome of professionalism. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's he's very like yeah. He's a very talented guy. And when I was in Urinetown with him, he played the lead role, and I was a cop, and I got to kill him. But we were we were very good. And like yeah, we we went we went on car rides together and we ate together and we were just we were good friends. Okay. And uh, now in college, that for me is uh, Noah Steenbergen. Okay. Who um he's he's playing Seymour in the upcoming uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Nice. And he's just the most kind-hearted person that the, you could ever meet. Basically, he's he's so humble of what he can do, and he's so he's so just like like understanding of of his role, and he like. He, at first he's like he's not sure he's like ah oh, can I do this but then he gets right to it and becomes like comes that part like he played I if if somebody plays the role of of Jack and Newsies I'm always gonna respect them like I'm always gonna hold them in high regard and Sam Elam and Noah Steinberg they they both did that um, which like one of the hardest roles on Broadway okay and so yeah and so like they're just very talented and I love like. We I, we bounce off of each other very well, because it's just like we we were raised on the stage, and I think yeah I think that's the kind of person that I like to be cast with people that were raised on the stage like I was oh. because I was like we both can look at each other and be like this is home this is it gotcha like, let's go out there and do it gotcha and do you feel more able to take risks with personalities like that oh yeah. Oh yeah, we take huge risks. We 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 get very comfortable with each other very quickly and are up to do like anything. Like uh, Sam Miller when he was in Urinetown, like I like put a blindfold around him. I like tied a rope around his wrist and like pushed him up some stairs. Oh my god! I was just like, yeah, we were we were both like comfortable with that because we we had been acting our whole lives and we were just like, yeah, this is standard. <laughs> this is what people do, and it was just it was very fun. And if something doesn't work. Uh, I guess you both can just kind of look at each other and say, hey, that was an experiment. Yeah. Uh, at least now we know it doesn't work. Yeah, we played off. Like uh, when one time the blindfold didn't work. So I put that. So my partner cop, he put his hand over his eyes because his hands are so big. Okay. And so he just covered his face with his hands to act as a blindfold. And we just like, oh, my gosh, it was it was just the funniest, the funniest time. I, I love I love being like working with fellow actors who. Yeah, have just been in the field. Okay. Know the field. Well, it also just sounds like they come into this with no ego. Oh, yeah. It's just all about the part. Oh, yeah. 
And the, the ego's like all been dissipated at that point. Gotcha. Because yeah. it's it's just all about serving the audience and right. serving the other actors and actresses and serving mm. the director, etc. So um, maybe this question is already answered then. Uh, we could skip it if you want. But right. is there a type of actor or actress that just makes the whole experience excruciating? Hmm. I, I mean, because I it sounds like so. maybe we've already kind of answered that. I'm not quite sure. If somebody were unprofessional, if they weren't nice, if their ego were heavily invested then maybe that could be a problem. Well, no, because that's me sometimes, you know, okay. <laughs> definitely, I definitely <laughs> fall into that. Like at, at, at moments where, where the stress gets to me, but no, I don't, uh, I don't know. Cause I don't want to put the, I don't want to put ill will on anybody or put like shooting negativity. But I believe that if I'm like on a like professional stage, I want to, I would not prefer to work is with somebody or being scenes extensively with somebody who's just coming into the field and like mm. is a greenhorn just learning everything. But that hasn't, that hasn't really happened. And I mean, like I would, I'd imagine that wouldn't go well because I, I've just been like, I, 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 I don't be, I don't want to be the one who doesn't make the mistake. Mm. Like if, 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 if there's a mistake on stage, I'd rather it be from me. Okay. <laughs> because I, I've been like, yeah, so I can take, like the fall from it so that I could, so that there's more trust from the other person. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Okay. I, I, I respect, I respect, I, I respect everybody that comes onto the stage with me. So I'm really, I'm really not sure what, uh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, ideal director. Ideal director. Hmm. Man, this is a tough one. I've had a lot of good rea- directors and, some bad, some not so good directors. Mm, I I don't know if I was thinking of a particular person for you to name. I might have been just thinking traits. Well, yes, but I, I was I was looking at I was thinking of them, and I was thinking of like how what traits made me like them, and I feel the most ad, admirable trait for a director to have is patience. Okay, I believe if an actor can't do it day one then trust that they can do it on day like 20 okay they get it down they just they, yeah they just need to learn and to put themselves into the shoes of their character when i was in looking for a fight i was messing a lot of things up i did not get my character at all i was like saying the wrong things and like putting myself out of the scene but do you keep trying to be nice yeah, like yeah. for the first 18 days yeah and i was very like quiet spoken when i was supposed to be like in a full-blown argument okay and he and derek was very very patient with me and he was like yeah just go through the motions he would sit me down and like talk with me and be like this is this is the first show of the rest of your life like this is wow that's a very interesting take on that old line of this is the first day of the rest of your life this yeah. is the first show of the rest of your life and he and he told me to treat every show like it's your very first one yeah so to go out there with all the energy you have and not from the tiredness of being in this your whole life just go out with everything you've got, like it's the first show you've ever done in your life. Gotcha. And make everything fresh. Yeah, make everything fresh. And that really, yeah, that really got to me. That that was that was inspiring to me. Okay. That that he could say that. And then by the end of the show, I was I was playing the character to the best of my ability and made my brother and my dad emotional, and they didn't see me at all in the character, and it was just that's the kind of story I want to tell. 
and it's just yeah patience patience can go a long way when mm. directing when directing actors especially if it's your story but when, when it's not and you have a full reign the patience still works well because maybe they're not as familiar with the show as you are and they need to get into the shoes of that okay um, okay yeah. uh scotty i'd like to shift into a different phase of questions um and and i guess they're all related toward your future oh so i guess what i would like to know is let's just fast forward the clock about 10 years all right. and so you are 29 years old maybe coming up on 30 29 in an ideal world where are you as an actor i think we sort of touched on this earlier but but maybe you could yeah just elaborate Hmm. Well, when I think of 29, I think of Tick, Tick, Boom. <laughs> so <laughs> What's would, Tick, Tick, Boom? It's a, it's a, it's a product. It's a uh, stage play about the life of Jonathan Larson. Okay. And uh, who who wrote the uh, musical Rent, and also wrote Tick, Tick, Boom. But Rent was the only like the big musical he wrote. But he he uh, he sadly passed away before he could get to the first showing. Oh. And he was just such a creative mind, and so. But he, he was always talking about how, like, he's 29 and, like, what is he? Like, he hasn't made it yet as a uh, professional and that he's turning 30 in 1990. Okay. And, yeah, and everything. But, yeah, but everything worked out. So I'd like, I, I, I'd like to use him as inspiration. If I was there, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would have made it yet, but I believe I'd still be doing stage plays at that time. Okay. Um, maybe, maybe being in like TV shows or short films as extras, like if anything. Okay. But, um, how yeah, does just, a person get there? Well, I got to find that out. <laughs> That's for me to find out. If I, if I knew I would, I would, I would like, I would be here. Do you <laughs> no, just would, audition yeah, here, I'd, there I'd, and everywhere? Yeah. I'd be well in Hollywood right now. If I knew how to, if I knew how to get there. Okay. But what anyway. about a YouTube portfolio? Hmm. I, I do have one of those. You do? Uh, but it's mainly for making music and voice acting and not a... Because there are different there are different styles of acting. You can act as if you're in a movie. You can act as if you're on a stage. And you can act with your voice. And all three requires a different, completely different method of acting. And so... It, and they're all... And so... I think I would be want to be a voice actor for an official like TV show. Or like cartoon or stuff. I think that's where I would be at that point. Um, yeah, maybe not a movie yet. Or maybe, maybe I will be in a movie. Who knows? But okay. I'm, I'm setting my dreams high, and but I don't want to like, yeah, I don't want to expect too much from life, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I see what you're saying. I I feel like what you're going to do is you're going to just work your tail off, mm-hmm. and you're going to enjoy working at all these things very, very, very thoroughly. Uh, but you're not going to go into this with, I don't know, some, you know, expectation that you're going to be the number one actor in America. Yeah. You know, you just, I think you're more focused on the work than you are on the status achievement. Mm-hmm. Oh, Would that yeah. be fair to say? Yeah. No, okay. that's, that is fair to say. I'm more, I'm more focused on my work because it it's doing what I love. Basically. I, I love, I love doing what I do. And even, I did it for free most of my life, most of my entire life. I still do stage acting for free. If 
fact, I paid to do it in a, in a way. That's right. But um, yeah, with your time and your energy. Yeah, with my time and my energy and my college tuition. Um, but that's I, uh, right. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And so, but I just, if I could spend like the rest of my life, if that wasn't even my real job, and I worked as like, I don't know, a movie worker, or if I worked at an office job, I'd still be doing it on the side for free because I just love doing it so much, and I love bringing that out to people and showing what I can do and impacting people that way and okay. bringing God's light to them. Okay. Um, then how about 50 years from now or 60 years from now? You know, like, I don't know, if you were, say, an Alfred Hitchcock and you're 82 looking back at a career. Mm. All right. So I definitely would have been in many movies, okay. <laughs> many many shows. I would have a long, long IMDb page. Uh I'm sitting in a recliner. Look, there's a shelf by me with all my my uh, my Oscars and Grammys. I don't even know what Grammys are for. I don't remember. Grammys are for plays, right? I don't know. Well, and I think people get them for musical performances. Musical as performance. Well. I I just have awards of some kind. Hopefully, okay. fingers crossed, in a perfect world. But um, yeah, I'd reflect and be like, I told a story with my life, not not only in what I did, but who I lived to be. And that's that's the person. I want to be. I want to tell a story on the stage, but also I want to be a person that makes an impact on people, makes a positive impact on people. I want to make, I want to strengthen other people to be the best versions of themselves, not only with my talents, but with my personality <laughs> about how I treat them. And so I can look back on that and think of hopefully my friends and family and think that, wow, I did a lot. Hopefully. Wow. Scotty, that's like about the perfect wrap-up statement right there. So I feel a little awkward asking this, <laughs> but is there anything that we didn't talk about that you uh, would like to talk about before we conclude? I want to mention when I was in Adam's family for Sarah, I uh, I was I did have to improvise some parts because I wasn't taught the choreography um, of it. So Sarah. You should have taught Scotty the choreography. There was no time. Also, I don't know if she's the choreographer, the choreographer, but um, I'm just joking, Sarah. Is, no, I know. <laughs> but um, there was a big, uh, there was a huge dance number where I put my tie around my head and I do this dance. I ended up doing like several TikTok Fortnite dances on stage because I didn't know what else to do. Oh, that's hilarious! And the crowd was just going wild. They're just like <laughs> clapping and like cheering so hard at me doing the Orange Justice. As this like middle aged man, and it's just oh man, it was it was great, but it still it's it still worked well. It's still my sister, and then afterwards, uh, everybody was crowded on stage. One of the kids was like, "Shout out to Scotty Smeltzer," and man, it was it was totally like unpre like no unprecedented isn't the right word. It was so unexpected for him to say that because I don't know. I I I didn't expect to get any recognition from it. I was I was just doing what I like had to do. For the sake of my sister, and like to to help with the production, and then just seeing how much that meant to people was very special to me. Perfect, Scotty. Thank yeah. you so much, and I hope yeah. that you will come back on the podcast sometime. Absolutely, thank you.